What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and we finally have our frequently talked about interview with Professor Michael Bradley. Pat and I had him at Villanova. We are so excited to bring Michael on, and Pat, it's a really good one. Oh, I'm so happy we finally got to make this happen. He's the best. He always brings it, and I think you will very much see that during this interview as well. Yep, so tune into that interview, and then we will be back afterwards, Pat and I, to finish up some of the last mailbag questions that we had. Enjoy. We'll be back. All right, so Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We are joined by Michael Bradley. He is at Daily Ombre on Twitter. He is a writer, a reporter, a current Villanova communications professor who Pat and I both had two years, or last year, actually. But we're so happy you're here. We've been hoping for this for a while, so we're super excited. It's my pleasure. I can't wait. All right, so we, we asked you on Twitter and Instagram, our listeners, to send us as many questions as we could. We got a, a bunch of really good ones, pretty wide-ranging. Pat, why don't you pick one of your favorites and, and start off with us? Perfect. Yeah, I really like this one. So I think this could be really interesting. So this is from Mark. If you were appointed commissioner of a sports league, any of the major four, plus the NCAA, which one would you want and what change would you implement? I didn't know the NCAA was part of this. Um, I, I, I'll go with the NCAA. Second would be the NFL. Mm. And I would mandate just quickly that, that every team had to be hiring more minority uh, people in the, uh, on the coaching staffs and in their executive uh, suites. Yeah. But from the NC2A, which I believe is being run and operated by people who couldn't care less about the athletes that they're proposing, that they say that they're going to be serving, I would get in there and I would pay the, pay the players. Yep. And I mean, everybody, if you play a sport and, and we'd start at division one, if you play a sport on a division one level, <clears throat> you are going to be paid. And don't tell me there's not enough money. The SEC gets $42 million in media rights per team per year. Big 10 gets around the same amount. The, uh, now, you wouldn't be able to pay Marist the same amount as you would pay Alabama. And guess what? People say, well, that's not fair. Nobody's going to Marist instead of going to right. Alabama if they're a right. top athlete. So there would be a, a pool that would be put together. Each school would have to put some money toward it. The, the name, image, and likeness thing would be absolutely universal. Players could, could profit uh, from their name and image and likeness if they want to do advertisements. And what people don't realize is that the Olympic sports, there are athletes there who could be making some money. I had a, a student who told me one time that she was upset because she couldn't do any modeling. She mm. could make some money doing modeling. She's not allowed to. So you'd be able to do that. And guess what? Does that mean that if you're at Villanova University – and you're going to be recruiting a certain player. Do you need to have someone who's going to be able to sit down with that player and his or her family and say, look, here are the opportunities that are available to you. We can't go out and get you information, get you money. We can't get you and be your agent, but there are restaurants, there are car dealerships, there are, and here's how you could do it. And here's what we could see for you. So I would take over the NC2A and make sure the players are getting their fair share. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I love that you said Marist because my brother's a student athlete at Marist. So I'm getting no, are funny. you saying he shouldn't be paid the same as Trevor Lawrence? No, he should not be. I'm <laughs> sorry. He may be tremendous, but the Red Foxes don't get as much as the Tigers. Brutal. Emma? So I would pick MLB and I would do it on the side of, I think they are severely lacking in terms of marketing. 
there are stars in Major League Baseball who I think could be making as much money in advertisements, if not more. And I actually think Fernando Tatis is changing that landscape as we speak. But the, the thing I always see is that people could be walking down the street and not recognize Mike Trout, the greatest player to potentially ever play baseball. And that is a horrible, horrible thing to say. Yeah. MLB needs to have, some, whether it's the commissioner, whether it's some sort of department to work on marketing or visibility or exposure, there needs to be more visibility for these MLB, MLB players. And I think when that happens, that increases engagement for fans and it makes more people like baseball and there needs to be a push to get the approval i guess of the younger demographic because i really think that's where mlb can grow and i think players like tatis and juan soto who pat has a man crush on and mookie betts even these guys need to be the face of baseball and they need to be recognizable in all of the sports landscape yeah no, I'm, I'm with you there. And then I will do it mine very simply, very quickly. Mine's NHL. And what I would do there is let's get rid of the shootout and let's just go three on three until we get a winner. I'm just, I'm so yeah. tired of it. I know they added it to try and grow the game. Hasn't worked. So let's just, it's more fun to be able to watch the guys go three on three with all that space. Let's just get that going. And also it's kind of what we talked about last week. I'd like to see more of the Lake Tahoe type games. Rather I was just going to say that. Yeah. Rather than the let's play at MetLife Stadium type games. <laughs> a little bit different of the, you know, view there, you know, a little prettier at Lake Tahoe than the monstrous building there in the middle of the swamps of Jersey. Uh, I just think it works so much better for the game. I understand you can't get 80,000 people in and that's why they like the football stadiums, but let's go more the natural look. That's what hockey always likes to do. Anyway, I think it'll resonate more. Three things about that. Love the three on three. Yep. Secondly, uh, my son last week said to me, he wants a game at times square. He wants a game in front of the Washington Monument. That'd be he awesome. wants a game in front of Mount Rushmore. There's so, so cool. many great places yeah. where you can do that. And in the third one, what do you think of my idea? Last minute of every period, a second puck. Oh, that could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'd love to see the score lines after that. How would possibly do that? <laughs> you don't know. You're shooting at one end, you're shooting at the other end. It would, oh be, it would be great. Wow. That... <laughs> I'd like to see that tested in the AHL. I need to see that. <laughs> but no, that's Jeez. awesome. Oh, that's I'm, interesting. I, I mean, I didn't see that coming at all, truly. Okay, I'm a, so. I'm an idea man. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring it back to baseball, actually. I got this question from my aunt, Amy Vernon. What are your thoughts on the whole Kevin Mather situation in Seattle, president and CEO of the Man- Mariners? Basically, uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> Let's start with his, his racist comments, okay? Yes. Um, I'm always of the opinion that people say, well, that's not who he really is. Yes, it is. Because if you feel in a public setting that you can say things like that and it's appropriate, that's who you are. Yes. Now, in terms of what he said about the, the, the holding players back. Yeah, the, that's what I wanted to ask you. Stuff, we've always known it. This moron just put it out there. Yep. He has created a situation for the upcoming labor negotiations for the before the 2022 season that have put the owners at a disadvantage. Now, I think there's going to be a strike. I think there's no way we start the 2022 season on time, <clears throat> whether it's a lockout, whether it's a strike, whatever. The two, the two sides hate each other right now. But this genius has set, basically come out and said it. You know, the, the owners would always say, oh, no, no, he needs a little more seasoning, just 15 days more seasoning. What a coincidence. That takes away a year of service time. Right. Now this guy came out and said it, what everybody knew, but it's now on record. They should be sending him 
uh, flowers and and chocolates and thank you cards every year on that date for the forever because that's the I had a late I wrote an article about this for an uh, uh, Athlon's baseball <clears throat> yearbook and uh, I had, I had a, a, a professor of, of uh, at Purdue who wrote a book about labor negotiations in baseball say this is the number one sticking point moving forward for the for the negotiations what's going to be done with service time and free agency <clears throat> we knew it was bad before. It happened with Vlad Guerrero last year too. It's happened with a reason, million of them. It's yeah, Chris for Bryant, some reason, it Goal wasn't as much. On and on, yeah. he, he filed the grievance too. The part for me that really stuck was there is no other sport, there's no other competitive activity in the entire universe where you want to sit your best player, and that's what baseball is trying to do. I mean, it goes actually to the point I was saying before about baseball having problems with targeting younger demographics. The 2022 season won't start on time because of this issue of greed and selfishness on the part of the owners. And now they're preventing their youngest starts. Jared Kalanick was is the number four prospect in baseball. Don't remind Guerrero me. was in the same category and they're purposefully not putting these players on the field so they can get back a year of service time manipulation. Yeah, I, I, just the point that I'll go with that is, as you said, I see no way that the season starts on time next year. Yeah, There's going to be a massive lockout. It's going to be really ugly. The players are going to be fighting to reduce arbitration. I mean, think about it. In baseball, you have six years before you even can test free agency. It's not like that in all the other sports. You know, obviously, you have a rookie contract going in, but especially you add in the manipulation that these teams can throw in, you you don't hit free agency to your 28, 29, 30 in a lot of these in, for baseball. But, so, but Emma, don't forget one thing. Every owner in every team is greedy. Yep. Every I know, league, I know that, but baseball, baseball takes it, but <clears throat> baseball takes it to the next level by sitting players that could make them better in the immediate right. now. You're right. You're right. Did you see Josh? Josh Donaldson was one of the players who tweeted out thanking the Mariners guy. Yeah. He's like, we'll always remember this. We'll always be indebted to you for making this come to light. That's how they're going to lead the labor negotiation. Yeah. yeah. Off. It's just going to be that press conference. Uh, and baseball's had a tough off season anyway. I mean, really? Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. Uh, here's a fun one from someone you may know named Greg Welsh. I think you've heard of him before. Uh, <laughs> who was your first favorite athlete? So we go back right. to the fan days. First First favorite athlete, mm-hmm. um, it, it would, it, it probably was Wilt Chamberlain. Really? My dad was a giant Wilt Chamberlain fan. Of course, he's a Philadelphia player. And um, I, I would listen to my dad. Now, the, the, the funny thing was my dad, who grew up in Philadelphia, was also a Celtics fan. He was a dynasty guy. Yankees, Packers, Canadians. Oh, and so I remember you told disgusting. me that. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> but he loved Wilt. And he used to tell me all the time about Wilt. And I can remember being eight, nine. I can, I can remember being eight years old, watching the beginning of the, the Knicks Lakers game seven play uh, finals game. When Willis Reed came out and hit those mm-hmm. two jumpers early, I was rooting for the Lakers because of Wilt. And I, I have a Wilt Chamberlain basketball card in my office from like oh, 1973. Cool. And I just loved Wilt. And uh, I would say second was Willie Montanez of the Phillies, whom they flipped to the uh, Giants for Gary Maddox, who became my favorite player of all time in any sport. Oh, nice. Pat, who's yours? I'm not sure who you're going to say. David Wright. Just for I was it, joking. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. David Wright uh, had yeah. to be from when I was growing up. Just the captain, everything for New York Mets and 
it just I loved right yeah mine was mine was big poppy mine was Ortiz I, I went to the 2013 World Series Red Sox against Cardinals I believe and game two the only game that the Red Sox lost but Ortiz hit a homer in that game so that was one of my favorite sports memories and then also actually when I was playing softball all growing up Jenny Finch was my favorite athlete incredible she was huge she was it's huge funny she was yeah. probably she was probably bigger than some of the MLB players in yeah. terms of endorsements and recognizing oh yeah oh she she was massive yeah and then I can push in for right while I was a student at Villanova I drove back for his final game in in 20 oh, cool yeah so wouldn't cool. miss that all right, so Michael, we let you get a little relaxed here, and now Greg Welsh wants to get you riled up. What is this? Um, is this the Greg Welsh, okay, yeah. this the Greg Welsh show? Or this is the Greg Welsh show. <laughs> yep. Who wins a Nova Michigan matchup this year? You don't have to get me riled up. Michigan beats them, and and here's why. And I, I look, I'm not Villanova's a very good team this year, but Villanova's not big enough inside to handle yep. Hunter Dickinson and the, and the ability for yep. Michigan to rebound. Mm-hmm. Luca Garza couldn't take him. What's that? Luca Garza well, it, couldn't take Dickinson. He, he completely psyched him out. And I, I think it was cycle. Everybody thought it was Hunter Dickinson going to be able to handle playing his friend and everything. I think Garza was more psyched out playing against Dickinson. Villanova also has some trouble on the, on the perimeter with handling the three-pointer. <clears throat> and even though they're getting Brandon Slater and now Brian Antoine a little more involved than they are better athletes and they can close out a little better, Michigan has three, four guys that can hit the three and they'll pass the ball so well. Michigan is playing unbelievable basketball. Every time I think that they're going to have a stumble, and it could very well happen in the next four games, they got Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan State, and then the Big Ten tournament. They just keep finding ways not only to win, but to dominate. So I, I think Michigan wins that game. Sorry, Greg. What about largely final four picks, more general? Um, right now, I would go uh, Gonzaga, Michigan, Florida State, and Houston. I like Houston. Houston's a tough, they, they're, they're so tough minded. Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson's the guy you want on your side in a fight. So I would, I would put those four, obviously Baylor plays great defense, but I don't know if they're going to score enough points. Mm. Um, and then if you want a couple of sleepers, I would throw Arkansas, which is playing really well. They won eight in a row in the sec. And then Oklahoma Lon Kruger is a really good coach and people don't give him credit for it. I like it. I, I think Baylor is in. I think Alabama is a sleeper. And I think Virginia is going to turn things around a little bit. Yeah. I think they've been in, in, in a tough stretch, but I'm not counting them out, that, that they, crew. They play that good stretch. defense and that yeah. travels. That, that's the thing with Virginia is, you know, the defense is going to be there. I think Villanova's in the conversation, but it freaks me out interior defense. It's just not good enough. And someone's going to expose that come tournament time. I feel really confident about Michigan at this point, which is not how I felt a little while ago, but I really like that. I'm not picking against Gonzaga. Uh, no, no there. I think they steamroll everyone. Uh, I like Baylor around there. I really like Houston. I don't think Iowa plays enough defense. It'll be interesting no. to watch. I think there, there this year there's a bunch of different possibilities. I think Gonzaga is your lock, and then we'll see what it fills out. I think so too. Yeah. I would assume you just is out indefinitely now too. The face injury, so that derails. Well, I just a hope bit. he's out until the next Tuesday when they play <laughs> Michigan. I hope he's yeah. really healthy after that. Yeah. Speaking of Michigan, one of the questions for me is, what do you think about Jim Harbaugh keeping his job? <laughs> they, they had to do that. It I had knew to it would say, yep. It, ha- it had to be done because there wasn't really another candidate you could bring That's, in at this point, yes. and you'd have to blow the whole thing apart. The way they structured his contract makes me feel good. He got rid of the defensive coordinator, Don Brown, who was doing a rotten job. 
Then he has redone his coaching staff so dramatically. Every new coach, every coach on the staff is now under 40 years old. That's what you need to recruit now. Mm -hmm. And they did a very good job at the end of the, the 2020 recruiting cycle, getting some players in that will, that will help them out. Um, they have a big thing on Sunday. Uh, there's the, one of the top 10 players in the country who is a Michigan player is going to make his decision. He's a defensive back. They need to get him. The other thing about Harbaugh is it's a four-year deal with a buyout that gets less after every season. So if they choose to fire him after 2021, 4 million, 2022, 3 million. And so oh, wow. that's huge. That, you know, considering what Auburn gave Gus Malzahn that's to exactly go away, 20, what, 20 yep. and a half million yep. or something like that. That's a bargain especially at Michigan where some of the alumni have that sitting around in their back pocket. So that, I think, I think it had to be done, but the clock, he is on the clock now. Not, I hate to use a cliche, but if he doesn't win and I'm not saying you got to go 12 and 0 this year, but he better beat Ohio state in the next year or two. And he better, he better take care of business against Michigan state and Penn state. So but was that, was that not the case this past season and the season before that? throw this season out this season they had a couple of guys who would really would have helped them opt out yep. their offensive line was ravaged by injuries they were playing a couple of freshmen there for a while mm -hmm. they didn't have the quarterback situation set up they didn't know what was going on and they only played six games so I, I i can't i can't judge this one if you go by 2019 it was a disappointing season if, if he brings 2019 into 2021 that may be it no, that's fair. I was going to say, so do you feel more comfortable then going into this year with him? Or are you still on edge? Cause I know you've been pretty you know, determined in that you think something's got to change at Michigan for a while. If Michigan were playing a high school team, I'd be on edge. So I'm always on edge about Michigan. <laughs> I'm never confident and feel good about it. So we'll start there, but I feel better in that he's been told, look, you were kind of going along with some sort of cult of personality for a while and yep. trying to craft this mysterious crazy guy you better get some passion back you better start coaching again you better and he's doing that he's going to be with the the um the, um, the, the quarterbacks which he has you know which will help i hope <clears throat> but he needs not to be complacent and i think this contract is basically saying to him you can't afford to be complacent right now and i think the other thing was the nfl didn't come looking at him mm -hmm. so now says a good point. i think for a little while he's going ah it doesn't really matter i can always go to the nfl not anymore. They don't want him. So yep. he's got to, he's got to do well now where he is. Can you give us a realistic timeline for the possibility of the expansion of the college football playoff? It's going to be a couple of years, at least I think the, so too. The TV contract has to come up. Um, but I think that there's, it's going to happen. And I, what I'd like to see is all five champions get in of conferences and then you have three at large. And if there isn't, undefeated gang of five or whatever the heck they're called team that's in the top 10 of the BCS rankings, they get a spot then two at large, the number nine, their 10 team in the country is not going to win the national championship. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know it means a lot to be able to get in, but uh, I think that now there are some logistical hurdles here because you, you say, all right, well, you play your, your um, conference championships the first weekend of December, then you play the first round the second. There's some schools that have final exams. Mm -hmm. And that's and that and there's actually some schools there where the players take final exams. So, you know, as opposed to the SEC, which we all know stands for skip every class. Of course. So we have to make sure that you fit it into the calendars. But if you can find a, a place for that quarterfinal week, how great would that be? Amazing. Be? Yeah. Have a game on Friday. 
and then a noon four and eight windows on Saturday. That would be outrageous. What a day. That would have been what the expanded MLB and NFL playoffs were, where we had the different times every day. We could watch one game at a time. It was so nice. And I liked, I liked the expanded NFL. I really, I thought I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm of the opinion, you know, as we sit here in this vast wasteland where there's no football, more football (laughs) is always better. Yeah, I agree. Agree. And yeah, so does the money flowing and they also agree. Uh, (laughs) Um. Well, you're up, Emma, right? Yeah, I can go. Ready? Not that Welsh character again. Yeah, no, please. no, no. Except actually, he's tangentially involved. Uh, Philly season projection. Oh, wow. 100, 162 and 0. 0. It's got to be yours. Yep, every yep. year. Yep. 106. I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> I, I don't know if I told you this one, Patrick. I went I to love the this open story. I know year. exactly. Yep. I've got the 162 and 0 sign, it's two sided. And I'm standing there holding up the whole game, going crazy. Phillies are getting clobbered in the seventh. <laughs> I had written on the inside, the other side of each piece of cardboard, 161 and one. So I took the staples <laughs> out. Now I'm holding 161 and one. The next day, my brother goes to work and he's talking to a guy he works with. And the guy goes, uh, yeah, were you, were you at the game yesterday? And my brother says, yeah, I was. And the guy says, yeah, it was a good game, except there was this idiot with a sign that said 162 and 0 on it. And he goes, oh, that was my brother. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so oh, good. That's I think the Phillies can win 85 games. Yeah. I think that's realistic. Their bullpen is not going to be as, as garbage as it was no, last year. I like the moves they made. I, I think that really helped them. Uh, they don't have enough starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think re-signing Real Muto was huge because they that they could not have gone into the the, the, the uh, yeah. year with the catch, catcher situation they had. They scored enough runs last year to be a playoff team. They did not have the pitching. So Nola Wheeler and Eflin, that's a good one, two, three. I mean, it's it's not the best one, two, three. It's not the Dodgers. And then if Spencer Howard can play, they picked up some some cheaper arms. Matt but the Moore. key is really going to be the bullpen. And as Joe Girardi said in December, I don't know if we could have been any worse if we were telling the players who were the hitters exactly what we were throwing. I don't know if we could have been worse. <laughs> did he really fair. say that? Yes, he did. He oh my did. gosh, he's you right. Like that type he's of right. transparency. He's yeah. right. But, yeah. Back to like 1931 is the worst yeah. bullpen ERA of all time, and of course, who set the record in 1931? The Phillies. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah. What about what about Odorizzi? I'd love to get him. I don't know how. I mean, he made 17 and a half last year or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, he didn't pitch particularly well, so it's not like he's got a strong argument, but he's still sitting out there. Spring training has started, and he doesn't That's have right, a place to go. Yeah. So he may, may come in on a one-year, make good deal for eight or nine. I'm all over it because two years ago, he won 15 games and was an all-star. He was outstanding. Yes, bring him in because our fifth starter, I don't want to see Vince Velasquez out there again. <laughs> He should not, don't let him even near the ballpark. There should be a cordon around that, that doesn't allow him in to touch yeah. a base. Better outfielder than pitcher at this point. Yes. Eflin makes me nervous too. I think if they can get Odorizzi and push mm-hmm. Eflin to four, no that doubt. would make, make me feel more comfortable. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, I think Hoskins needs to stay healthy. And I feel so strongly about this. I do not want Abdubal Herrera anywhere near the Phillies bar, ballpark. I don't want him. I want nothing to do with him. Kingery is better in center field. Uh, uh, well, no, Kingery is horrible. Kingery is one of the worst signings. But he's better than Herrera. But he's a better he, option than Herrera. He's not a better player. He's not a better with, player. Yes, Given but, what happened? What, what happened with Herrera? Yeah, he, he's a he's a, a lightning rod right now. So it's it. I can understand the way you feel. 
the Philly center field situation is awful. Roman yes. Quinn is like a, a grape, right? You yeah. hit him a little too much, he proves it's over. Uh, Housley, please. He's he's a, a yeah. AAA player. And Scotty Jetpacks, what did he hit? Like two last year or something? He's awful. Uh, you know, he, he, he may he be you know, adorable, but he's not a good player. Yeah, I think the Phillies, the base, I don't hate the team, just the circumstances around them with the NL East is, is just brutal. Oh, that's it's true. Yeah, you're right. The Braves, the Mets, the Nats, I mean, they're yep. all good. If they finish third, that's good for them. Okay. I, yeah. I actually meant fourth. I don't know why I put up three fingers. I think, I think they fought. They oh, you're, you're a Boston fan. Counting is yeah. tough. <laughs> you're, you're trying to get so far under the cap. Real numbers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 162 and 0, though, would put them in good position. So I think we'll, that would get them yeah. into the playoffs. They I might think, even host the first round. I think so too. So we're getting here towards the end. So I want to ask you some fun questions. Um, best or favorite Springsteen song? Whichever one's playing at the moment. No, I, I am. No, because there's some in there that I mean, like the whole Lucky Town, Human Touch thing. The, 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 a lot of the more recent stuff. If you said to me, what do you want to hear? It's the song from the 70s that he wrote called Thunder Crack which we heard live in college. We didn't hear it in, you know, live in college. We heard a bootleg from the main point, which is in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania in 1975. And it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous um, song that you don't hear much. He plays it I'm in sorry, Philly I'm... a lot. It, you look it up. It's a great, it used to be his Rosalita. Uh, oh yeah. Close the show. He'd announce the band. But if you said to me, look, I've never heard of this guy Springsteen before. What song should I listen to? I'd say, listen to Thunder Road. That's my favorite. So every single yep. thing that you want. It's a great story. It starts slow. It's got some good guitar. It picks up. It's the quintessential to me Springsteen song. Yep. Completely agree. Thunder Road's mine. <clears throat> Sorry, Emma, I had to get that in. <laughs> no, I wish I could contribute. Unfortunately, I can't. Okay, sure. so I want to go. This is my last question for you. I want to run through five players. All I want is one word team of where you think they're going to be at the start of next season. Okay. Russell Wilson. Seattle. Sam Darnold. New York. That's two words. Jets. Deshaun Watson. That's the tough one. Vegas. I like that. Really? Are you just that's saying that to mix of, things that's up? That's only because of my former His buddies, he, he loves Mike Mayock. Mayock. Yeah, he, he loves Mike Mayock. My, okay. my current roommate would be laughing very hard right now if he heard, when he hears <laughs> this. <laughs> uh, Jimmy G. San Francisco and Justin Fields. Um, I'll say Atlanta. I, I think agree. they're going to trade up Atlanta. and get him to back Before up Wilson. Matt Before Ryan. Zach Wilson. Mm. I don't think any of those three are any good. Zach Wilson, Fields, or, or, or uh, um, Lance. Trey Lance. None of them is going to be good. I'm not okay. high on those quarterbacks either. Yeah. I yeah, I, I could see I don't Fields, think, but I don't love Fields. I don't think Watson. I think Watson goes to Miami, but otherwise I agree with everything you said. I think that Darnold stays. Okay. Yeah. That could Pat, be Pat, what did you, do you have any differences there? Watson, I, Wilson, Darnold, Gropperl, Fields? I think Watson stays in Houston. I don't yeah. think they're going to move him. I, could happen. I wouldn't yeah. trade him. Everybody says it's not fair. Wentz wanted to get out of town and he got out of town. Stafford wanted to get out of town and he got out of town. There's a difference. Watson is good. <laughs> exactly. You, him. you don't want to get rid of a talented player like him. He's then a he, good football player. The, at, at Houston's a dumpster fire, but at least they have quarterback solidified. Yes. They trade him. They have to literally exactly. start all over again. I wouldn't do it. We'll see what they do. I have one more question for you. It happens to go with you being a professor at Villanova. I think this is interesting. 
what is your biggest pet peeve for mistakes that students make in their writing? Oh my God. <laughs> I could have used this. So it's, it's, and, and it's when they start sentences with clauses that put them in positions where they can't write a clear sentence, mm-hmm. despite besides after when they start rather than going the nets defeated the suns it's thanks to the then halfway through it becomes a grammatical mishmash and i've got to rewrite the thing for them that's what it is they this especially in sports journalism students who don't write clearly and who try to be like personalities while they're writing Mm -hmm. you know they're trying to make it seem like they've got their own unbelievably successful podcast like yourselves and they're going to try to inject personality into a game story tell me what happened tell me directly subject verb subject verb that's my biggest pet peeve now you can plug us to your your classes i absolutely they can learn right here you're not going to ask me the one about the uh, how I would like my favorite question. It was was asked was how, what one which sport I would like to do the walk off on. Oh, we t- we see we were going to say that that was Ty's question, Emma. Do you want to go okay. with that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, okay, it's I'll a great you. question. Yeah. So Ty Windish, who works for Blue Wire, if you could make a game winning play in the determining game of any sport, so Super mm. Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, NCAA tournament, what would it be? I don't think it's close. I want to come up in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, the bases loaded and my team trailing by three runs. I want to get two strikes and I want to hit a walk-off grand slam because yeah. first, and I want to do it at home. Okay. Take that Joe Carter. Do this you get to run the bases. Okay. You get to bask. Before you get mobbed, you you know, anybody else scores the winning, you hit the jump shot, everybody jumps on you, hit the score, the winning goal, everybody, you're in the corner, everybody's jumping on top of you. Football, they play, everybody does, does the dog pile. Baseball, you get that moment where you're on the stage and you get to run around the bases. I got goosebumps thinking about it uh, as you are celebrated by however many fans are there. And then as you round third, all of your teammates are standing there at home plate, jumping up and down like little children ready to just maul you. I don't think there could be a better thing in sports. I love it. Emma? So mine's baseball, but mine's actually defensive. I want to make the Andrew Benintendi game-saving catch. He was ALCS. I want to be game World Series. I actually – so do you guys know the Benny catch that I'm talking about against yes. the Astros? Yep. It was the uh, AP top play of the year when it happened in 2018. So I want to merge of that, and I want to merge of Aaron Hicks's game game-saving catch in center when he went out flying to his left. So I want to change the actual nature of the catch a little bit. I want to full my feet, leave the ground to my left, throwing my glove out, but I want it to be saving a run world series game seven. And then I guess, see yours was perfect because you have time to yourself as you're rounding the bases. Well, if, well, if people were mobbing me, I would be okay with that, but I want to make the game saving catch. Okay. That's fair. At, uh, I'd, I'd lean baseball, but to go different here, World Cup final soccer, like scoring. Think of it being your home country, 90th minute winning goal. Yeah. You want to talk about being mobbed? The yeah, stadium that's, that's, will be on top. There's no such thing <laughs> as security if that happens. The fans are on the field with that. I can only imagine that moment. So I'll go with that one. That's that's a pretty good one. That's why they Thank have mo- that's why they have moats around the field in some South <laughs> American much. soccer stadiums just to keep the fans from doing that. But 
you're yeah you're right the the and and american fans can't understand this because we and you guys weren't old enough to remember 1980 february when when we beat the soviet union mm-hmm. the unbelievable pride that everybody felt that's the thing it's not just all right I, i'm a i'm a phillies fan and every i'm ha- everybody's happy who's a phillies fan this is everybody in argentina would be deliriously happy because you scored the goal so yeah that, that wouldn't be bad patrick yeah, I think that's an all right one. I go, buzzer beaters, God, you know. buzzer beaters when the the fans crowd the the court too is cool. Same kind of. Nah, thing. it is. It, it really isn't. Talk to anybody who's been one of those. They're scared to death. In the mob, yeah. Yeah, you're scared because yeah, you don't know true. what they're doing. Now the that's best true. one, you can you you and your listeners should YouTube this. When the Flyers won the Stanley Cup in '74, a fan got into the handshake line. He got that's incredible. Flyers, he's holding a bottle of champagne, <laughs> shaking the Bruins' hands, going through the handshake line after the game. It's hilarious. I'm surprised the Bruins didn't kill him. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're so depressed. They just, yeah. uh, and he's like nodding his head and shaking her hands. Good game, good game. It's a riot. That's, that would that's never incredible. happen now. That's no, so it wouldn't, cool. but no. in Philadelphia, yeah. come on. Yeah. You, you, everything goes. That's, I'm so that's glad we had time to answer that because that was actually the best question I think we got. Uh, it's such, really, a, it's such a good really question. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then for any questions we didn't get to, we're going to try to get to when Emma and I just do it after, but no, that was awesome. I'm really glad we got to do that. I, I, I was my, I was looking forward to that. So I, I, I thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing yeah. it up. And Ty will appreciate it too. <laughs> good job. Ty. Yeah. That was, that was a really, really creative question. Um, it was, but thank you so much for coming on. That was really fun. I feel like we, we ran the gamut of, of general sports and some, pop culture and it was really fun covered yeah. a lot of ground excellent yeah. so i think so too for, thanks a lot for having me on I'm, I'm always at your disposal and i love the the podcast and everybody should be listening to it all the time i retweet it every time I it see does it. we really appreciate thank the you. support so, uh great job guys and uh keep up the good work thank you so give thank him a you. follow at da- daily ombre he gives you a lot of interesting tweets especially philadelphia wise um but otherwise that'll do it for us and we'll transition back into our normal episode. So thanks for coming on, Michael. Take it easy guys. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. I do want to give a special shout out to all of the people who left us mailbag questions. We were really excited to do that and it worked out really, really well, Pat. Yeah, I, I think so. I thought we got a lot of really fun, solid questions to yeah. be able to bounce off of them. We could all kind of take a look at, and we're going to try to answer a couple more now. It was the perfect mix between real content, like yes. where's Watson going to end up, and if you're a commissioner or if you had to pick the best walk-off moments in sports, those were those were really good ones. I was excited about it. I thought it was really fun. Like I said, yeah. we I think we covered a wide range of things. I think we were just able to kind of just have a conversation about it, which was a, a really fun interview. Yeah. All right, so we will finish the last couple. I have to give honorable mention to my sister, Sarah Houghton. <laughs> she asked me to say who I think will be the next Bachelorette, and I'm, I'm 99% positive you or Bradley didn't have a, a solid answer here, so I think I'm going to take it myself. I can't say I can give a great answer. <laughs> okay, so... Fan favorites this season, I think, were Katie and Abigail. I actually don't think it's going to go to either of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't go to anyone this season. And I'm going to have to do some research in past seasons to see somebody random who they can pull up, like a Claire, but not somebody as controversial as her. But um, 
it, it's a weak answer as in it's nobody, but it's definitely not somebody this season, I'm going to say. And also, she asked me to say my favorite song on Taylor Swift's Speak Now album, and that's Sparks Fly. That's one of my favorite songs ever. So I hope Sarah liked that. I hope everyone now knows my Taylor Swift favorite album, favorite song. So so <laughs> now let's get into sports. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, I, I, I can't give analysis on either of those, unfortunately. You know, we, it's a pop culture podcast, largely. So it, we're, exactly. we're working to our strengths here. Listen, I asked Michael's favorite Springsteen song, so Yeah, you know. you're right actually. I couldn't I couldn't knowledgeably say anything there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's start with a question from Jack McCall. Oh, legendary country gumbo, yes. This was this was a really good question. Thoughts on sports media post pandemic. This was a tough one. It it is a tough one because I think you kinda look at it and see the double edged sword of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you first let's start with the positive. You see that a lot of sports media can be done remote and it can be done, you know, through video or audio, whatever it is. I think things have been pretty successful working that way. No, it's not the same, obviously, especially having play by play broadcasters, not at games. It's much harder to be able to call games off of a monitor. I can vouch for that. I know Emma can vouch for that as well. Um, So I think we have seen some flexibility in the sports media from there, but you also see how dangerous it can be with the, you know, amount of layoffs and hiring freezes that also have happened in the industry. It's, it's difficult. So I do think there are some positives to come out of the pandemic and seeing how you can, how sports can kind of evolve a little bit and sports media especially can evolve and really buy into that fully digital and which can give more people opportunities. But on the same, same, the other side of the coin, uh, the the industry as a whole also kind of dried up a little bit for letting people into it. Right. That's what makes me nervous. And now it's even more ultra competitive, which is unfortunate for people like us. But I hope that this is very specific, but I very much hope that locker room access isn't decreased at all. I don't know if decreased Mm -hmm. is the right word there. But restricted. I think, yeah, restricted. I, I hope that reporters and broadcasters, anybody who was allowed in before, is still able to go in and talk to those players and athletes in a more relaxed setting. Mm-hmm. Because these Zoom calls are just so imper- impersonal. And everyone's got their guard up on them. It's yeah, not everyone's the same their, as just talking. You really can't create a rapport if you're across a screen with 15 other people on the call Mm -hmm. it's really it's really hard to get good journalism from that and i really don't think there's been a a decline in journalism i don't think it's made a noticeable impact but you missed some of those nuggets that a broadcaster will talk about during a sixth inning of a baseball game or lebron not being upset after a game You, you just miss stuff like that that i think if people aren't able to get into the locker room the overall personalities of these athletes will get lost a little bit and I think that would be unfortunate yeah I think that's a really good point about the locker rooms because it's 100% true and that you know it's tough when you don't have the uh that access to be able to talk to the athletes because it's just it's not the same conversation right no completely agree but that's that's a really good question yeah we're gonna have a new normal obviously but I think I think sports will be one thing that honestly people want to keep a lot of the stuff the same which is good yeah I I would agree and here's a, here's a fun question from Javon. If you have to make a starting five in the NBA, you can take one current NBA player, but the other four players have to come from other sports leagues. How do you fill out your starting five? <laughs> and just to give some context, he also sent in his. He went with Mahomes, Peterson, Trout, uh, Tony Finau, and Joel Embiid. 
Okay. This was tough. I had it to actually tough. think pretty hard about this because I had to decide if I wanted to go big or athlete. Mm-hmm. And they might not be mutually exclusive, but I decided to go a little bit of small ball with some of the most athletic guys I could think of. Uh, I like it. So Jay golf. Wright. Yeah. <laughs> Attitude, please. <laughs> I'll start with golf. I picked Colin Morikawa, and that might be recency bias since he just won over the weekend. But I've actually, Colin's one of my favorite golfers. I think he's he's big up and coming, and I think he's super athletic. He could pl- play some point for us. Maybe I could see that. Guard. Um, NHL, I had Alex Ovechkin just because he's a winner and he's a stud and I want him on my team. Baseball was interesting because I picked Vlad Guerrero Jr. So you that might is not an interesting one. see you might not hear that pick and think I wait, I thought she was going athletic. <laughs> but Vladdy dropped 42 pounds this winter, this offseason. He is trying to become more athletic, more versatile, so that his defense will approve. And I could see him being the, the five for me. Throw him down low in the paint. Not not many people are going to want to go up against Flatty, so that's why. And he's young, so you can build around him. That's true. Patrick Mahomes, I had the same football pick as Javon because he's one of the best athletes in the world, and he's a winner. And then from the NBA, this one was hard, too. I think I will go with Luka Doncic. Because he can shoot from literally anywhere on the court, which you can actually <laughs> say for, for a bunch of people. But his mix between driving, his, his consistency driving the ball to the rim, his consistency from any, any point on the floor. And he, again, he's young. He's a franchise guy. He takes winning so seriously. It doesn't matter what his personal numbers are. If his team isn't winning, he's upset. And I want that kind of attitude on my team. I like it. No, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, Who you so, got? Yeah, my mine's an interesting combination of mostly size, but we'll, we'll see yeah. how it That's the other out. way to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I for golf, we'll start with Brooks Kepka. You know, just a very large man, good, good athlete, and also just a fun guy you'd want to have a drink with after a game. I mean, so that's the type of guy I want on my team, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. from, the, from the NBA, I'm not picking against the man himself, LeBron James. I mean, as a leader for the team... Uh, and just continues to do it year after year after year talk about winners as well i think it's perfect for me uh baseball i go aaron judge purely size here but i mean you want to go up against a six seven aaron judge as a wing i mean i i I feel i feel confidence about that might get injured because that's what he does a lot but you know what i I have some faith there Uh, (laughs) for hockey i i thought more point guard here i win connor mcdavid Best, okay. player, best player in hockey, fastest player in hockey, one of the best playmakers in hockey. Mm. I, I would love to see him run in the open floor. I think he'd have some really nice ball handling as well. And then my fun pick was kind of the NFL, where I was trying to think, because I think there are a lot of different ways you can go with it. I re- obviously, Mahomes is a fantastic pick. Um, I went with Aaron Donald, because oh, man. <laughs> put him in the paint and have him try to back somebody down. Do you think anyone is going to stop him? The no. Answer's, the answer is no. So None of I, those guys I want to go up against in the paint. Yeah, so that that's my kind of fun team that I, that I put together. I don't know how many games they'd win, but I think it would be entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, this was, again, fantasy lineup, I really don't know if there was any logic here. I nope. kind of just picked the first names that came into my head and thought they would fit well into the people I would want to build a team around. Works for me. Yeah. All right, so actually before Aaron Donald made me think of it, J.J. Watt obviously signed with the Cardinals. Matt Houghton, Mike Benton asked about J.J. Watt, where he was going to sign. We touched on it a little bit with Bradley. 
I don't think anybody expected Arizona to be in those cards. No, I'm. I like how you used cards there. Um, but I. Oh my I god! W- I did not even do that on purpose. Wow. wow. I I would not have guessed Arizona. Um, I think it's it's a good fit for them leadership wise is actually what I think the biggest thing is going to bring in for for this defense. I'm not sure you're getting prime Watt anymore. Yes. Uh, he, he's certainly going getting paid like it, which is awesome for Watt, but. I, I wouldn't have guessed Arizona. I thought Tampa Bay just made too much sense. <laughs> reunite, or not reuniting, uniting with Tom Brady. They could have let a Shaq Barrett type leave. But, you know, I, I like it for Arizona. It makes that pass rush even better. We'll see if they re-sign Hassan Reddick. And the yeah. NFC West is going to be tough. Yeah, that's really where my, my concern comes in. I thought there were two avenues that Watt, Watt could have got, gone down. If he wanted a ring, he could have signed a one-year deal with... You know, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Kansas City, the Rams, the Bucks. Even I had them on my list. If he wanted money, and if he wanted to to build things up a little bit, and maybe try and get back to his prime, I had uh, Bills, Seahawks with Wilson, obviously Ravens, mm. Titans, those teams that need a lot of defensive help. Honestly, Cardinals did not even cross my mind. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it for what. And I think it it makes that team better, but what they're the now the the second best team in the division, the third best team in the division. I don't know if this makes Arizona a contender in arguably the most compelling division race in this upcoming NFL season. So if if Wilson stays, if Jimmy G stays, things are going to get interesting in the NFC West because the Cardinals obviously want to win. They wouldn't sign JJ Watt unless that was in the picture for them but I don't know if this makes them the outright favorite I don't I, I don't think it yeah. makes them the outright favorite I don't think it makes them the favorite I think it makes them better I think yeah. they kind of suffer from the same circumstances we talked about in the interview with the Phillies so <laughs> yeah I agree I agree all right so we have two questions left one of them is from my mom I'll finish that one last next we have Nick Piantanita Pat you go first what is your opinion on rookie quarterbacks on rookie quarterback Justin Herbert and how does his talent and his intangibles compare to the great Patrick Mahomes? I think that the Chargers have a star in in Herbert. I, I was so impressed by what I saw out of him in his rookie season. Actually heading into that 2019 draft, the one that he decided to stay in school for, he was the quarterback I wanted the Giants to target uh, before he decided to stay in school. I feel very vindicated by that for what I saw <laughs> in year one. Uh, I'm excited about a coaching change there because I just, I think Anthony Lynn just really struggled to make the the right calls there. And I think a, a change of scenery and bringing in a new, a new voice could be really important for the Chargers. Um, so I, I'm very high on Herbert and I think basically the, you know, the sky is the ceiling for him. Um, stacking up to Patrick Mahomes, uh, there is no one that is Patrick Mahomes, and no one will ever be Patrick Mahomes. Um, but that's not a knock. That's just not a knock on Herbert. It's it's who Mahomes is. So do I think they can compete in that division for a very long time? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a huge compliment for Herbert because I don't yeah. think there are too many quarterbacks that can even you know walk into the same room as, as Mahomes. Um, so I have high hopes for him, but there I he's... If the expectation is or the hope is, can he be Mahomes? I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a tough comparison, right? And, and it's tough to be in the AFC West right now anyway. But I think another huge compliment to Herbert is that 
LA was the most attractive landing spot for head coaches looking for a new job because yeah. of Herbert. You had your quarterback in place. Yeah. I think the intangibles are similar in that he's going to be the, the face of this franchise. Mm-hmm. He has a very even temperament. LA is a huge market. It's dominated by the Rams, but still the Chargers are in a huge market. And I actually think Herbert was underrated. And he had one of the best rookie seasons in the history of the game. Yeah, he was so great. I think he continues to come into relevance, might be a little bit harsh, but for some of the just average fans who might not watch a lot of Chargers games, it's true. Not not as many people might know about him as they should. Um, Talent-wise, I actually think they play very different games. I actually see Herbert as being more of the Brady. He's not... Yep. Super mobile. He's They're more for... calculated. He yeah. can move, but his his is more calculated. Mahomes more scrambles and improvises. Right. And they both have cannons for arms, but Mahomes has a lot of other advantages too. And, and Herbert is more on the... He's not going to make a, a hasty throw. Not that Mahomes does, but Mer- Herbert isn't going to make a hasty throw. He's not going to throw a lot of interceptions. He is going to throw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. I can see him leading a bunch of offensive categories throughout his career. I mean, the one similar, I think they're both going to be very successful. It's yeah, very easy for me to say that. And they're both young, and they both have a lot of time to transition into their franchise and take on leadership roles for both of their teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It'll be interesting to follow. Yeah. Okay, and then we'll end with a question from my mom, Karen Houghton. My <laughs> Both of my parents went to Providence. I've mentioned it before. My brother goes to Providence now. Providence basketball has been struggling this year, so she wants us to give a prick give give a give a quick projection of how the Friars will finish this season, and then she also wants us to project the Friars next season. And I have some thoughts on that, but give me a little bit about just off the top of your head what you think about the end of this season for the Friars. So they've won three out of four. They they have St. John's on Wednesday and then close with Villanova at home. I think Providence is dangerous. I do. I don't think they're a team I would want to play in the Big East tournament. I know they're kind of jumbled in there in, yeah. in the middle of the Big East right now. Uh, they're definitely hurt by, say, Xavier not having to play Villanova at all, and Providence is going to have to play Nova twice. Now, of course, they could beat Villanova on Saturday. They, they very well could. Um, but I, I do think they're kind of hurt by the unbalance in the Big East schedule this season. Uh, but, I mean, you, you look at Providence, and we, we know who it's all about for them. You know, it's David Duke, and it's Nate Watson. And it's can they carry the load for them, especially offensively. A.J. Reeves, I would have expected more from yeah. at this point uh, in his collegiate career. the And only shooting, I believe, in the low 30s for a three-point percentage. Really good free-throw shooter. But I just would have, would have liked to see a little more offense for him. I like Providence. I, I do. I I can gush about Ed Cooley all day long. <laughs> yeah, we can both do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're just they're not a team that I would feel comfortable going into the Big East tournament playing. Yeah, honestly though, hasn't every team in the Big East gotten that feeling lately? Yeah, there are a couple teams. If you told Georgetown me that they were playing DePaul or Marquette, yeah. I would feel good. But otherwise, they're <laughs> Butler should be in that conversation, but apparently not after this past weekend. Yeah, and I, I honestly felt like that about Georgetown, too. Maybe DePaul, but even Villanova absolutely dem- dismantled Marquette both times they played yes. them. But Marquette has shown glimmers throughout the season. When they, they beat, beat UNC, UNC, they look no pretty sense. good. Makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, that's but- actually a, a very good way to sum it up because... 
Providence is 12 and 11. They're six in the Big East. They're not super. They're they're, they're unbecoming. Yeah. They're they're unsuspecting. And with that being said, I still don't want to play them. I don't think no. any team wants to play them. They actually almost every single year they play up to their opponents and they play down to their opponents. Mm-hmm. So they look really good against teams like Xavier. They beat Xavier 83 to 68. And then they lost to. I'll run down the list here. St. John's, Georgetown, Marquette, Butler, Alabama. Well, actually, no, Alabama's a very good team. But they are. fair, <laughs> uh, Yeah, but I was I got caught up, caught up there. But I, they, they show up in a f- few minutes of some of these games, and then they just can't put things together. I think David Duke has had more of an inconsistent season than anybody suspected, and I think if he had been consistent all season long, he could have been a frontrunner for Big East Player of the Year. With that being said, I think this is the year for Providence. Because if I, I think if they don't make a run in the Big East tournament, I still don't think they're going to beat teams like Villanova or Creighton. If they don't make a run, they are losing Nate Watson and Noah Horkler because they're seniors. David Duke is a junior, but he'll likely leave in the draft. The positives are that A.J. Reeves is going to return as a senior, but if he doesn't turn things around, I don't know how how team lifting that really is to be honest the other the huge positive is that Alan Breed will only be a sophomore he has been their shining candidate this season and you just hope for jumps in Greg Gant and Jared Bynum and maybe even Ed Croswell who will be a senior I don't know what his future looks like I but like him a lot last year when the Friars had all those seniors Luane Pipkins uh Alpha Diallo they had a bunch of other guys that I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but I thought that last year was the year for Providence, and then unfortunately, without the tournament, without the Big East tournament, things were cut short. But I think Providence has to, they definitely have to beat St. John's, which is tonight, as we're recording on Wednesday, and they have to put up a good fight against Villanova, and then maybe if some other teams lose out, they can move up the standings a little bit. But that's kind of where I stand on Providence. Yeah, consistency is key. For them that that's their biggest thing and it's finding offense outside of those two guys is yeah. the biggest thing for Providence. and the one thing i will say about them for returning guys just remember that seniors don't have to leave this you're year. right so they they could you could see some returns um, that's but, actually a really good point yeah mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to follow obviously we have no idea who's leaving and who's going at this point but yeah something to follow yeah all right so that is all the questions we had once again thank you guys so much for putting in your questions we had a yes. lot of fun going through them I also, we said last week, and Pat and I are actually going to up the stakes. So I said last week, if you followed us on Instagram or Twitter, we will give you a shout out. I'm going to go through those now. We've got a good list of followers. To up the stakes, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you will be able to pick our next best of segment. So if you want a chance to throw a good one at us, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And then the, the long-standing one will be if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we'll shout you out. So this week, we got a bunch of new followers on both Instagram and Twitter. Sarah Houghton, Terry Horseman, at Terry Horseman. He's a hustler. Thanks, Terry. Shaggy P, at Nicolata8. That's Nick Tanita. Thanks for sending the question, too. Hen- Ryan Henry, at RyanHenry.com. She's a Villanova softball player. That was awesome. At the underscore sports underscore muse. Thank you. And Jack McCall, Villanova grad, at Country Gumbo. Those are the Twitter followers. Thank you for that. And then on the Instagram side, we had two here. Another Villanova guy, Mike Keeley. Thank you for following us there. 
And actually, another Villanova guy, John Seal Six on Instagram. John Seal, thank you for throwing us that follow. So we really appreciate the engagement. Keep it up. You'll get your shout out. And again, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you will be able to pick our next best of segment. Yeah, that so, that's awesome. And thank you to everyone yeah. for for following over the past week. We're really excited, and we hope you enjoy the shows. Yeah. So that was fun, Pat. Let's go to craziest numbers of the week. Yeah. Sure. So. I did mine kind of off the cuff since uh, for clarity for those that are listening to this now, we're actually recording this on Wednesday morning. So this comes from Tuesday night. And that's 23. And that is the point differential that Illinois beat Michigan by yeah, that last was night wild. at Michigan. It's too perfect of a stat to pass up after talking about Michigan in that interview with Michael Bradley uh, that, that you just heard. Possibly the best performance we've seen from a team this year against a top-ranked team, I would say Gonzaga obviously has some incredible performances from earlier in their season, but for Michigan to go into this game with one loss at home and for Illinois to just dominate them, especially in the, in the second half, without their star, wow, that was one of the biggest statement wins I think you could have this season. I, I'm actually speechless. I could not believe it. Who else does Illinois have besides Io DeSuno? That was a rhetorical question. I know they have some really talented guys. But the fact that they were able to have that dominant of a win over a Michigan team that I truly thought was invincible. I was literally starting to put them in the Gonzaga-Baylor category. And they just didn't show up against a team without Io DeSuno. What? The the biggest thing for me that I think is just crazy looking at this game was that Illinois out-rebounded Michigan and out-rebounded them badly, 42-26, to which you just, you would not guess with the size of this Michigan team underneath the basket. But yeah, Dickinson and Wagner never got going which is obviously huge for Michigan. Now, this is not, you know, everyone give up on Michigan. Absolutely not. I think they're incredibly talented, especially defensively. Uh, This was just Illinois' night, but wow, what an impressive win for the fight in Illini. Uh, That's a good thing for Villanova, too, because everybody just has an off night. You know, we can can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah, you can vouch. But I think this week, I don't have the exact number, but it was something like eight of the top 25 teams lost or or 10 of the top 25 teams lost. Maybe that's what it's at now. It, it, It was a crazy week, and we are... It's March 3rd. We're not even in March Madness yet. It is the beginning of March, and we are already seeing madness. Not to yep. be cliche, but there some some crazy stuff is going to go down in this tournament because it seems like besides Gonzaga, no team is safe, no matter who they're playing. I, I think that's fair, and just in the immortal words of John Rothstein, this is March. Yeah, so let's, let, that's let, the only way to put it. Let's yeah, bring we, it on. we will have a lot of college basketball content as we get into March. Super excited about that. I'll switch mine to professional basketball. There was a crazy finish in the NBA the other night, and it had to do with the Brooklyn and the San Antonio game. So my number is 17, and that is the number of games it had been since Brooklyn last won in San Antonio. Earlier this week, the Nets won their first game in San Antonio since Game 2 of the 2003 NBA Finals. So that was snapping a 17-game, 18-year drought. I The game itself was crazy. DeJounte Murray fumbled the ball and then threw up a heave and it ended up going in and then the Nets won an OT. It was a crazy game and also Becky Hammond is a complete badass. Greg Popovich. Yeah, she is is one of the best coaches in, of all time. That goes without being said. 
but the way that Becky Hammond commands the court is so cool to watch. So that was my favorite part of the Nets Spurs game. But just that a team can go that long without winning in one city, that that blew me away. And of course, Brooklyn is on a tear. They're on an offensive tear. James Harden is on a tear. And that just that just caught my eye because it's so weird. And it just shows that Brooklyn might be unstoppable this year, but they have had some struggles in years past, especially in San Antonio, in those unbelievable years of Duncan and Manu Ginobili and, and Tony Parker and all those guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the most interesting way I think you could try to measure, you know, how long it's been and how crazy that is. Think of how many teams Jason Kidd has been on and coached <laughs> since he played in that 2002 final. Yeah, against them. So I don't have the number off the top of my head, but that could be a fun thing to follow up with. <laughs> yeah, 2003, we were five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We and were he, five he, years old. He was playing for them at that point. Um, so it uh, would be <laughs> an interesting one to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. So then we'll end off with our best of segment. Pat, you came up with this one today. Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, this is March. We are moving into March Madness. We got conference tournament week next week in the NCAA tournament two weeks away. So I thought the best thing to look at for here would be what is the best food to sit down and watch a March Madness game with? Mine actually isn't March Madness specific. It's all sport games specific. That's fine by me. But it's nachos. Mm, and I'm actually choice. pretty plain. It's just nachos with cheese and some mild salsa. I'm, I'm, I right. really can't take much spicy food at all, especially salsa. But that really, that's what, that's what my family and I did for the Super Bowl. That's what we'll do for a lot of the March Madness games. It's a cool, uh, that's just, uh, that's the best food for me. And Tostitos are so good. Tostitos are great. I, I yeah. will 100% give you that. And then I take the opposite approach and that the spicier, the better for me so i i go with buffalo wings i go with bone-in buffalo wings i go with very hot buffalo wings uh you know if if there aren't tears coming out of your eyes are they really that hot um honestly (laughs) i could not disagree more (laughs) (laughs) and i just they're they're my favorite uh i think it's a perfect way to watch a game easy finger food make sure you have napkins nearby yeah um and just a, a fantastic friend to watch any game with we're only a couple weeks away. We're oh, getting we're so into close. it. I we couldn't be more so excited. close. Yeah. Could not be more excited. Perfect. But once again, thank you to everybody who left us mailbag questions, and we hope you enjoyed our interview with Michael as much as we did. Yeah, it was awesome. So thank you to everyone for submitting questions. Thank you to everyone for following as well. Uh, if you want to join in on that, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at did you hear pods? Let us know what you think. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and be on the lookout for a recap after the Creighton Villanova game dropping either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, whenever we can get that out. But that'll do it. Please let us know what you think of this episode. Make sure you follow at Daily Ombre as well, as he did a wonderful job here. And Emma, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>